Welcome to Fantasy OT. Today we're going to discuss the updated rankings for the top 12 tight ends. Sitting atop like he always is, Travis Kelsey at number 1. Kelsey is coming off a career high in touchdowns with 12, receptions with 110, and he had 152 targets last year. Good for the 6th most in the league. He also led the league with 29 red zone targets, and he has Pat Mahomes as a quarterback, who led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And I think if the Chiefs want to stay relevant, they're going to have to make sure that Kelsey is a big part of their game plan, especially with a suspect running game and receiving core. I know Mahomes is good, but I'm not sold on the idea of Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and Marquez Valdez Scantling carrying the load. They're going to miss Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman. Last year, they made it work because Kelsey was so dominant. And I think he's going to have to be dominant again this year for them to have a chance at another Super Bowl run. Even their running game is a little suspect to me. I know Pacheco had a great playoff run, but he's still not an elite running back in my mind. And Jarek McKinnon had a great stretch with all those pass-catching touchdowns, but even he has proven to be a little bit injury-ridden and inconsistent. And even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't even think I have to say much about him. He's been pretty much a bust his entire career. So I think Kelsey is going to be the focal point of this offense. He's definitely a first-round pick in my opinion. And there's no reason why he won't have his eighth consecutive 1,000-yard season. The only thing I guess you could be mindful of is the fact that the Chiefs have the fifth-hardest schedule. But when has that ever stopped him? Moving up, TJ Hawkinson. First off, congratulations to Hawkinson for getting his bag today. A four-year deal worth up to $68-plus million? Ooh-wee, it's a good time to be a tight end. Hawkinson's coming off a career-high season where he had 86 receptions for 914 yards and six touchdowns. And I think this contract all but secures his place in the pecking order. There's no more Adam Thielen. I know they drafted Jordan Addison, but it's pretty clear he's going to be the number two receiving option to start the year at the very least. Hawkinson also benefits from the fact but he doesn't block very much. I think he only blocks on like 31% of his plays. So if he's on the field, he's running routes. And I love the situation that Hawkinson's in. The Vikings passed the ball 65% of the time last year. And Hawkinson had the second most targets amongst tight ends on a per game basis with 7.6. Kirk Cousins is in a contract year. So he's going to be chasing numbers. Cousins also had the fourth most passing attempts and passing touchdowns. So he's going to be throwing the ball a bunch. Kevin O'Connell doesn't seem to like to run the ball, as evidenced by them shipping Dalvin Cook out of town. And I think they really haven't replaced Cook. So the plan is to definitely pass the ball heavily this year. I would imagine that Hawkinson's going to be able to build off of his career year and potentially go over 1,000 yards for the first time. The Vikings also have the sixth hardest schedule. So if they want to stay in games, they're going to have to score points, only helping Hawkinson's case. Down one spot at number three, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews finished the year as a tight end forward despite missing two games. And he kind of had a down year by his standards, but he still mustered up five touchdowns and was third in terms of targets per game amongst tight ends with 7.5. And I think with him hopefully being healthy and also having a healthy Lamar, who is no longer distracted because he got his contract, that he and Lamar can both get back on track. I think Andrews will benefit greatly from Todd Munkin taking over as the offensive coordinator. Nobody liked to run the ball more than Greg Roman. And I think it's pretty clear that the Ravens want to pass the ball just looking at the fact that they drafted Zay Flowers, brought in Odell Beckham. They obviously still have Andrews and they have Rashad Bateman if he can stay healthy. So I think this is going to be the year to see 
what they can do as a passing offense. Now, that's kind of a double-edged sword for Andrews. While I think it's good that all these pass catches will probably take away defensive attention from Andrews, it's also fair to wonder whether Lamar can feed all of these mouths. These are three legitimate pass catchers added to the mix. I still think Andrews is his number one guy, and he will be the top red zone threat for this offense. And they do have a solid offensive line, so Lamar will have time to throw. But it's still kind of a fluid situation. That's why I had to downgrade him slightly. Up one spot at number four, Dallas Goddard. Goddard was injured and missed five games last year, but he still managed to average 12.8 yards per catch, and he's also in an offense that's very pass happy. I think the problem that he has is that he suffers from low volume. He usually gets a little bit less than six targets a game, and he's also third in the pecking order behind A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So it's kind of tough to have him ranked higher than this. He definitely is great once he has the ball in his hands, but due to his injury history and them needing to spread the ball around as much as they do, it's tough to put him any higher. The one area where I would like to see Goddard improve is touchdowns, but if he can find a way to do that, he has a real chance at a top three finish. I mean, this guy clearly has talent. From weeks 1 through 10 last year, he was the tight end 4. And if he can find a way to stay on the field and be efficient with his opportunities like he has been, I think there's a real chance he might be there. Down one spot at number 5, George Kittle. Kittle's coming off a career-high 11 touchdowns and finished as a tight end 3 despite missing 2 games due to injury. I think Kittle has a great chance to build off of his season last year, mainly because he has Brock Purdy throwing him the ball now. He's arguably the second best receiving option on this team. I mean, we see what he can do with the ball in his hands. The problem is he doesn't get that many opportunities. I mean, no other tight end blocks as much as George Kittle does. He blocks on 50 plus percent of his plays. And this year, with the 49ers expected to have some pretty significant offensive line woes, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets called on to block even more. So that's something to keep in mind if you do draft him. The talent is undeniable. It's just a matter of him being able to run routes on his snaps. Staying right at number 6, Pat Fryermuth. Fryermuth finished the season as the 5th most targeted tight end, averaging 6.5 targets per game and finishing the season with 98 in total. And I think there's reason to believe he's going to improve on this. Last year he had a complete quarterback carousel between Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. It's kind of surprising he was this productive, all things considered. And I think with Pickett guaranteed to be in that role for their foreseeable future, he should hopefully be able to dig his heels in and establish some rapport with one quarterback. He only had two touchdowns last year, so I would imagine he's due for some positive regression there. But he's probably the second, if not the third, receiving option on this team. I mean, he's going to get a bunch of passes underneath. I think Pickett's going to rely on his tight end for a lot of the red zone work and just as a safety valve. I mean, Frymuth has proven to be very, very reliable, and the Steelers have a very suspect running game. As much as they try to lean into it, it's kind of hard to lean into Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So whether they like it or not, they're going to have to pass the ball to stay in games. Also staying put, Evan Ingram at number 7. Ingram's coming off a career year in terms of yards and receptions. I mean, he really broke out last year. Where was this in New York? He played so well, it earned him a three-year, $41 million deal. Engram finished the year as the tight end 5, but from weeks 13 through 18, he was the tight end 2. Now, a lot of that was bolstered by one game, but he definitely was pretty consistent throughout the year. And I know they added Calvin Ridley to the mix, so that's one more mouth to feed. But with Trevor Lawrence passing the ball as often as he does, he had the 7th most attempts last year. 
I think there'll be plenty to go around. Also staying put, Darren Waller at number 8. Waller's missed 14 games over the last two seasons. So if you're a little nervous about drafting him, I wouldn't blame you. When he was on the field last year, he was pretty good. From weeks 15 through 18, he was the tight end 6. I think he has a chip on his shoulder and feels like he has something to prove. The Raiders basically gave up on him. He's going to be the number one receiving option in New York. And from what I've heard, it sounds like he's had an outstanding camp. I mean, he's still gifted athletically. It's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy. The receiving room is also pretty full. The Giants actually have some decent pass catchers for once. So hopefully that helps open things up for Waller. Obviously, having Saquon Barkley doesn't hurt anything either. Teams are going to have to respect Barkley whenever he's on the field. So I would imagine Waller's going to be able to do his damage up the middle and down the seam, just like he usually does. He should have another strong PPR year. Touchdowns are always something to be desired with Waller, but I think we've all grown to accept that. Up one spot at number 9, David Njoku. David Njoku finished the year as the tight end 11 despite missing 3 games. He also managed to have a career high in receptions with 58. It should also be noted that from weeks 1 through 7, he was the tight end 4. And I think he's shown his rapport with Watson is already pretty strong. He's had a really good preseason from what I've seen, and I think he's going to really take off this year. He also doesn't have much competition behind him in Jordan Akins and Harrison Bryant. And besides Amari Cooper, he's pretty much the second option. I know the Browns brought in Elijah Moore, but until I see what he can do on the field, Njoku is the de facto number two in this offense. They still have Nick Chubb, which is only going to help take attention away from him. But I think Njoku, if he can stay healthy, could really have a true breakout season. Oddly enough, in all of his years, he's never had more than four touchdowns, and I'm hoping that this can be the year he finally breaks the curse. Down one spot at number 10, Kyle Pitts. I had to downgrade Pitts just because of his situation. Last year, he finished as the tight end 33. And even during his best stretch from weeks 1 through 11, he was the tight end 18. And I think he's not going to be able to see the day of light anytime soon. The Falcons ran the ball more than anybody last year. And they doubled down by drafting Bijan Robinson. He also has to compete with Drake London for targets. London really came on at the beginning and the end of the year last year. And I think he's going to take the next step. It also doesn't help that Pitts has only managed to score three touchdowns in total over his two-year career. He's also coming off of an injury that required surgery to his MCL. And he missed seven games because of it last year. And everything looks like it healed up okay. But it's still something to keep in mind. I think the only saving grace for Pitts will be the fact that the Falcons have the easiest schedule on paper and that Desmond Ritter is really inexperienced. So hopefully that translates into Pitts getting short passes underneath routes, just basically being a safety valve for Ritter. Now, until that happens, it's hard to have him ranked any higher than this. But just based on talent and his rookie year, I had to keep him inside the top 10. Up at number 11, Dalton Schultz. Schultz managed to finish the year as the tight end 10, despite missing two games and nursing a PCL injury pretty much throughout the year. He's kind of been an afterthought this year, but I think he's going to have a much bigger role than people are anticipating. He had 89 targets last year and still managed five touchdowns, and I think C.J. Stroud's going to rely on him quite a bit. A lot of times we see young quarterbacks rely on their tight ends, and the Texans don't have that many options at receiver. Between Nico Collins, Robert Woods, and John Mechie, they're going to be looking for people to make plays and for anyone that can just get open. And while the Texans do have the ninth easiest schedule, I don't think it's any secret that they're going to struggle quite a bit this year. 
and they're going to be playing from behind, chasing points, which should only help Schultz's case. And I can see Schultz being a really sneaky top 12 option. It wouldn't surprise me if he finished in the top 8 or 9, just due to the volume I anticipate him getting. Rounding on our list at number 12, Chigakwankwo, my candidate for tight end breakout. He finished as the tight end 25 last year, which doesn't seem that great on paper, but from weeks 9 through 18, he was the tight end 10. And he also averaged 14.1 yards per catch, good for 15th best in the league. He has immense talent, and I think with Traylon Burks suffering an LCL sprain recently, he's going to be leaned on a little bit more heavily in the passing game than people are anticipating. I know the Titans have DeAndre Hopkins, but behind that, they're pretty thin. So I think Aquanquo has a great opportunity ahead of him. And it also doesn't hurt that the Titans have the worst offensive line. So if Malik Willis or Will Levis, if it ends up being him, want to survive and not get sacked, they're going to need to look for short underneath passes, which should only help Aquanquo get more opportunities. The one area where I do hope Aquanquo can improve on is his targets per game. Obviously, it's out of his control, but he had less than three per game. He was still very efficient with them. So if he's able to remain efficient with that workload, great. But I would anticipate him being able to get closer to five targets a game this year. Those are my updated rankings for the top 12 tight ends. Please subscribe and leave your thoughts on who should or should not be on this list in the comments below.